This is JCU Conversations, a podcast show from James Cook University, Singapore. Tune in as we ask experts in the industry more about their lives and their approach to success. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's listen to today's episode. Hi. I'm Professor Jason Pomeroy. I'm the founding principal of Pomeroy Studio and Pomeroy Academy, and your host for this podcast episode. Our guest today is Mr. Yuan Tei. He is the head of Asia Pacific at Skyports, a leader at the forefront of urban air transport. His approach shapes Skyports urban air mobility initiatives globally. Welcome, Yuan, and thank you for joining me today. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you so much, Jason, and thank you, JCU, for inviting me to this podcast episode. Awesome, awesome. Now, tell us a bit more about yourself and what is your role at, at Skyports. You are the head of Asia Pacific. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty broad term. Um, so, what I do is I lead the business for Skyports in the Asia Pacific region. That entails everything from hiring, managing people, business development all the way down to working with partners and landlords and government agencies to push the boundaries for advanced air mobility in this region. Okay, so tell us a bit more about urban air mobility. It sounds like a very, very snappy title. I mean, uh, when I think of urban air mobility, I can't help but think about the Jetsons and flying cars and things like that. Tell us a bit more about urban air mobility. Absolutely. So urban air mobility, for those uh, uh, who are not aware of this term, it's basically using electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, what we call EVTLO or EVTOLS, to move people in and around cities and in between cities. What this helps with is to reduce traffic congestion, uh, improve connectivity, and also reduce emissions because these aircraft are actually powered by batteries. So what this is trying to do is actually um, reduce the travel time for people in and around city, connect cities closer to each other, and also improve the environmental impact of travel around the world. This must be completely transformative in the way that we view cities. I mean, once upon a time, you had horse-drawn carts bringing people to and from cities. Then you had the tram in the 19th century. Then you had the automobile in the 20th century. And I guess now in the 21st century, we have these urban air vehicles. What way do you think these will shape the future of our cities? What do you think is going to happen to our cities in the future? Yeah, three things. The first, I think cities would have less reliance on ground transportation. Right. Cities today are bogged down by congestion, by infrastructure span on roads, on railway tracks, and urban air mobility will take travel to the skies. Mm. So that means you will have less cars on road, less heavy emissions traffic, and hopefully improving the environmental um, impact on the, on, on the environment. So the second point is around improved connectivity for mm. the cities. What urban air mobility is trying to do is actually connect not just people from point A to point B, but actually improving the intermodality of transportation. What this means is you can connect from an airport to a train station, from a train station to a bus terminal, and from the bus terminal to your end final destination. Mm. Right. So what we are trying to do is build vertiports, which are where these EVTOR aircraft will land at airports, at train stations, so that we can also enhance the intermodality of traveling within the cities. So you're basically adding another vehicle to the almost like the vocabulary of how we move around our cities. I mean, we, we have bikes, 
we have cars, we have trams, we have uh, trains, we have buses, and now we're just going to be seeing an additional mode of mode. Absolutely, that's amazing. Yeah. But I can see how that can work in really high density cities, like here we are in Singapore, incredibly compact city. I can see the value in what uh, Skyports as a terminal provider can do. What about other cities that are less high density? Do you think it still has value? Does it still have a potential voice to play? Absolutely. So the use cases of advanced air mobility is quite varied. Within a high density city like Singapore, it would be airport shuttle moving mm. someone from Changi to downtown Singapore, moving sing um, someone from downtown Singapore to potentially even uh, Johor or Bintan and Batam cross border mm. traffic. In places like, say, Australia or places with a much more sprawling metropolis uh, city, you can use urban air mobility to actually connect rural parts of the country to the urban part of the country, what we call regional air mobility. Mm. So think about uh, if you're li living in Toowoomba and outside of uh, Brisbane, mm. connecting Toowoomba to downtown Brisbane, connecting Brisbane to Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast. So those are the use cases in larger, more sprawling cities around the world. Mm. Probably a third use case for advanced air mobility could be also touristic traffic. Mm. You could use this uh, new form of uh, eVTOL aircraft to mm. actually cruise around a, a, a city where you can look at uh, the skyscrapers, you can look at parks, you can look at waterfront areas mm. of New York City, of Singapore, of Paris, mm. and that's a third use case of advanced air mobility as well. Well, I'm certainly conscious that during the times of COVID, we also saw these urban air vehicles being used for the means of transporting you know, the, the, the vaccines. So yeah. I think that there are really, really wonderful use cases here. I'm curious, I mean, this is such a, a new technology and it is going to be groundbreaking. What was your personal journey to become involved in this sort of space? Have you always been interested in taking to the skies? Absolutely. So let's let's take a step back, right? Um, I grew up like just any regular boy, right? You look up to the skies, you see fighter jets, you see airliners. I've always wanted to be a pilot. Mm. So aspired to be a fighter pilot in the army, um, didn't make the cut, mm. um, went to the States for my um, university. I learned how to fly over there and that changed my life, right? Learning how to fly is, is such a uh, um, breathtaking view you get from the top of the skies to the ground. And since then, I've just bleed jet A fuel in my blood, right? Um, I worked in an aerospace company, I did aviation consulting, and now I'm in the front, new frontier of aviation where we are using a new form of transportation to move people in and around cities using the sky. It's interesting that you mentioned New Frontier. I mean, as a child, I remember going to the Queen Elizabeth Centre at Heathrow Airport, which is this great panorama, if you will. And I would take my pens and my paper with my grandparents. I'll be sketching the planes taking off. And for me, that was the sheer excitement of seeing sort of these giant jumbo jets taking flight. I guess the children of today still have that same passion for taking to the skies, but now they're going to be looking at drones and urban air vehicles as that new opportunity. How can we continue to get people thinking in a, an excited way that this is the future? Do you think that there are opportunities to be engaging with the public more in this field? Yeah, I hate, I hate to be cliche here, but I think it's all about um, the environmental impact, mm. right? Because I think the youths of today, the new generation of today, we are all caring a lot about carbon emissions yeah. and how we are saving the earth for the next two, three generations. Mm. So I think the play here is 
really to to tout the fact that advanced air mobility uses is completely zero carbon emissions. It uses battery technology. It's clean. It's safe and it's quiet, mm. right? I think that is a whole new value proposition that mm. is unknown to traditional airliner traffic today. Mm. Which, of course, you know, we can never replace a Boeing seven three seven or A three eighty. You need those workhorses to bring you us from Singapore to London and mm. so and so forth. But I think um, we need to understand the impact that these airliners are having to the environment. And as much as we can, you know, tout the fact that this new generation of eVTOLs are going to be clean mm. and carbon emissions free. Well, I think you've made some really, you know, valued, value propositions there. Um, I guess it's pertinent to think about what those hurdles for change are. I mean, there are always going to be barriers to change of any new technology. If we were, again, to think about the horse-drawn cart and then the introduction of tram systems, that was revolutionary in the way that we shaped our cities. What are the barriers to change that you are facing at the moment with urban air mobility in Asia? Yeah, the first, the first biggest barrier is all about aircraft certification, mm. right? Because we are taking transportation to the skies and we want this to be as safe as uh, your regular aircraft today. So we are going through uh, the same certification that a Boeing 737, the same certification as an Airbus A380 will go through with mm. FAA, with EASA, and with any local aviation authorities around mm. the world. We are very, very close. I'm mm. so excited. I started mm. as this job in 2020, three mm. years ago, and we are about, say, 12 months away from the first aircraft being type certified mm. in Europe um, by the EASA authority. Mm. So that would be the biggest challenge, getting these aircraft to be certified as safe to fly in the urban cities today. Mm. The second uh, barrier, I would say, is kind of government support and regulatory framework. Mm. Um, because this is a new form of transport, many governments around the world, not just the Aviation Authority, but also the Land Planning Authority, also the Road Transport Authority, they're trying to figure out how do we govern this form of transport? Mm. Is it a bus? Is mm. it a taxi? Yeah. Is it an Uber? You know, how do we regulate the pricing? How do we regulate the land planning? That is something that we are trying to work with uh, governments around the world, including in Singapore and also around Asia Pacific on. Mm. The third and last, which is probably the most important uh, barriers that we're trying to overcome is public acceptance, mm. right? Getting someone to step into an air taxi that is completely new generation, mm. powered by batteries, will take some convincing. Mm. So what we need to do is to build trust and mm. show the safety factor that we've put into this aircraft mm. and to gain public acceptance. Because without the public, without the paying consumers, mm. this industry will never take off. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned 2020. And here we are in 2023. If I'm not mistaken, it was October 2019 that uh, an urban air vehicle in the shape of Volocopter took flight in Marina Bay Sands in that area. Um, when you look at this rapid acceleration in the technology, what would you predict will be the case in five or 10 years? How many uh, urban air vehicles are there currently? And where do you think it's going to be in the next 10 years? Yeah, I think so. Right now, currently, we are at the cups of introducing this aircraft to the industry. Mm. The first cities around the world will be cities like Paris, like Dubai, like London, where they are introducing these vehicles in 2024, 2025 timeframe. 
I think in five years time, we'll probably see hundreds, if not thousands of these vehicles globally. Mm. I think in 10 years time, we are looking at tens and tens of thousands of these vehicles. Mm. And I think this is a very exciting proposition, not just for the industry, not just for businesses, mm. but actually also for aspiring young people, mm. right? Because what this means is that if you've got tens of thousands of aircraft flying in the sky, you need 20, 30,000 of pilots mm. flying this aircraft. Mm. So this will open up a whole new job scope for aspiring pilots. Like mm. I was, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, <clears throat> trying to be a pilot. And mm. this will open up a whole new opportunity for them to fly such advanced air mobility aircraft mm. in the industry. Um, also the ecosystem, right? Mm. You need ground handlers, you need baggage handlers, you need passenger terminal mm. uh, staff, mm. you need engineers, you need developers. So I think this whole industry would actually be a huge job creation mm. opportunity for any mm. economies looking mm. to introduce this. That's great. I was uh, giving a talk at a, a local school here a few months ago, and um, I wanted to talk about smart cities. And I did mention urban air mobility. And I guess the students were completely hijacking the conversation by saying, is it going to be the Jetsons? Is it going to be a bit like Doc Brown and uh, Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future? Um, they were really conscientious of traffic. And, and I was quite surprised. I'm thinking, come on, the, the, the kids here, they'll, they'll love this sort of thing. But when we think about it, nobody likes traffic. Nobody likes congestion. We're faced with congestion on the ground. Are we going to be faced with congestion in the sky? How can we reduce the impact of these urban air vehicles being in close proximity or even crashing into each other or just polluting the sky? Yeah, interesting you mentioned that. One, one of the newer terms that I've heard recently is what we call visual pollution. Right. right? If I look up in the skies today, you hardly see anything flying mm. in the skies, right? 10, 20 years down the road, if you have tens of thousands of these aircraft flying around, would our sky be polluted, mm. right? What is going to impact, you know, the high-rise flats that's selling for millions of dollars and what you look outside is, mm. you know, EV toss flying around. So mm. that's definitely something that we have to work very closely with, mm. not just the government agency, but also commercial partners and also the social community to make sure that we introduce this technology in a, I would call a crawl, walk, run phase, right? Mm. Um, it's going to take time. But I think with the introduction of this technology, it's not going to be flying right next to your flat on day one. Mm. It's going to be flying probably further out in the waterfront, yeah. further away from sensitive and private areas. Mm. And as the industry booms, as people see the positive impact that urban air mobility can bring to a city, mm. they will start to embrace it. Mm. And we hope that that will also allow mm. more aircraft to be flying around mm. the city side skies. So look. You're an aviator as well as a business leader. I want to look at another technology for a split second, the helicopter. Mm. The helicopter was a vital piece of equipment that would allow passengers or even troops to be going from point A to point B. It has served cities well. I mean, when I think about uh, helicopter taking flights uh, in and around urban city centres in high density environments, sometimes it's the the privileged who can jump from tall building to tall building without actually getting caught in the traffic, whether that's in Manila or whether it's in Sao Paulo. Are we just looking at the urban air vehicle as a replacement for the helicopter or is it an additional proposition? Absolutely different. Mm. And I'll tell you why. Helicopters have a quite a negative connotation amongst the public. Yeah. A is for the ultra super rich. Yeah. Right? Each helicopter flight is thousands of dollars. Mm. B, is not safe. Mm. Unfortunately, we've had quite a number of accidents, high-profile accidents, right? Mm. Uh, unfortunate death of Kobe Bryant. 
unfortunate death of some of the um, rich and famous in London. Mm. And that's really caused the public acceptance of helicopters to be really diminished. And third, helicopters are loud and noisy, mm. right? You don't want them to be flying in the city skies. Mm. You would just be heard, hearing buzzing all around all day And they're gas, gas guzzlers as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And how urban air mobility and EV tours are different is absolutely the difference or the op complete opposite of what I just talked about. Mm. First, it's aimed to be at least six to 10 times cheaper than a helicopter ride. Mm. What the industry is aiming towards is an uh, eVTOL ride from the airport to downtown would mm. cost you no more than a limousine ride, 50 to $100. Mm. Two, it's extremely safe. Mm. Helicopters typically just have one rotating fan with mm. one engine. Mm. eVTOLs have up to 18 rotors, right? So you, you know, touch wood, you could have multiple of them failing and still be able to fly safely. And third, it's quiet mm. and it's also a carbon emissions free. Mm. So that allows you to fly closer to homes, closer to commercial centers, closer to hotels. And that really brings urban air mobility towards the city center mm. rather than away and from the public. Mm. I'm going to take a step back from the technology now and I want to put on the business development hat and the, the business hat. And you are the head of Skyports in the Asia Pacific region. What are the business opportunities that you're looking at? I mean, beyond trying to see how this new technology will help shape cities of the future, what are the other business channels that you're exploring in this new industry? Absolutely. I think first and foremost is where are we looking to set up such uh, advanced air mobility in Asia? It really is in economies where it's well-developed, where the government is supportive, where there's a regulatory framework in place. You're talking about places like Singapore, Japan, Korea. But the heart of the matter where the, the main challenges are in Asia Pacific is in cities like Bangkok, Manila, Jakarta, where there's really heavy traffic congestion, where this technology can save a lot of time and increase the productivity of the economy. Mm. So that's where we'll be looking. Phase one, the more developed countries, and phase two, the countries or the markets that really need this technology. Mm. Um, and, and where we are trying to build business is not just in building the vertiports, not just in servicing the customers, but there can be actually quite a lot of business flows that comes from just this urban air mobility. You're talking about, you know, developers building a heliport together with a vertiport, together with a hotel, together with a casino, together with a shopping mall. You can talk about advertisement, retail, F&B. So this is more, more than just a port where people passes through but you can also generate quite a lot of economies through this port itself. Mm. So when we think about your um, track record in this space, it is a, a nascent industry, but Skyports are taking a lead. We see there being amazing prospects in Asia, but what about in the Middle East? What about North America? What about Europe? Can you give us a bit more of an understanding as to the trajectory of Skyports moving forward? Skyports is a global company. Our headquarters is actually in London. Mm. So Singapore is our Asia Pacific headquarters. We have mm. we've offices not just in Singapore, but also in Japan, Korea, Dubai, and in both the East and West Coast of the US. Mm. So um, I've got my business counterparts in Europe and America doing the same thing as I, as I am doing. Mm. And the reason for doing that is because uh, we have to be market agnostic. We mm. have to be partner and vehicle agnostic. Mm. So we work our way in Singapore, in Japan, in Korea, but my colleagues are also doing the same thing in Dubai, in the Middle East, 
uh, where we see a strong potential for such uh, urban air mobility use cases. And also in the, use case, uh, in, in, in the US, mm. where there are sprawling cities like Los Angeles or even New York City, mm. where they're used to helicopter traffic and how we can convert helicopter traffic to eVTOL traffic mm. for the future. You mentioned that this is uh, a, a product agnostic terminal, just like you might go for a taxi terminal and you've got your Hyundai's and your Ford's different vehicles docking into a taxi stand. How many different types of urban air vehicles are there currently? And how adaptable is the Skyport terminal to these different vehicles? Absolutely. There are more than 500 eVTOL designs out there in the world today. Some of them are just in a paper form mm. and some of them have raised $2 billion in funding to build this aircraft. I would say legitimately, there's probably only 10 aircraft manufacturers out there mm. that will win the race. Mm. And probably down the road, you will see consolidation as well, mm. ending up with maybe five or less than five, just in today's airliner world where you've got the duopoly of Airbus and Boeing and Cessna and Embraer and Bombardier on the side. Um, in terms of what we do at Skyports, we are agnostic. Mm. Just like how Changi Airport will take an Airbus A380 to a Boeing 737 to a Cessna 152, we would do that as well, mm. right? Our terminal is agnostic. We are working with all manufacturers out there to understand their requirements and their specifications mm. so that our vertiports that we build can handle any aircraft that's being developed today. It's mm. really interesting. I know that we are um, having a great opportunity to explore both the technology, but also you as a, a business person who is at the frontier of this new technology. But I'd like to kind of get to see the other side of you and Tay here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Quick fire. Sure. The first thing that pops into your head. If you had to have a fantasy dinner party, who would you invite? I would have to say um, Roger Federer. Okay. He's one of my idols. I play a lot of tennis and I, I play... I try to play like him. Obviously, I don't have the same results as, <laughs> as he do. But um, I think on the court and off the court, he's a great person. So I'd yeah. love to le know more about him. So yeah. he'll be my number one pick. Uh, okay, next question. Uh, when you look in the mirror in the morning, what do you see? First and foremost, I see a Christian, a husband and a father. That's, that's who I am in the heart and the core of myself. On second look, I probably see an aviator, someone who bleeds jet A fuel, and someone who's trying to change the world and shape the new aviation frontier. Very good. Um, what is the book on your bedside table? Just started on um, The Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger, the former and current CEO of Walt Disney Company. Great story about how he moved from a studio hand in ABC Studios to the CEO of one of the worst, most well-known company in the world. That's interesting. Does that inspire you as a business leader? Absolutely. Yeah. Great stories and it teaches me that, you know, you can plan, you can have a plan, but you, you should also be ready for changes in plans. Absolutely, absolutely. And the final question, if you were able to travel back in time, what advice would you give your younger 21-year-old self? Exactly what I just said from the book, which is have a plan, Right, chart out a course for yourself, have a vision, have a target for where you want to be in 10, 20 years, but be prepared for changes because life always hits you and you have to take detours and be at crossroads and be ready for changes in your plan. Sounds good. That sounds like a really wonderful <laughs> plan. I'm looking forward to seeing amazing things 
with yourself and Skyports. So, Yun, um, if the listeners want to find you online, how do they reach out to you? How do they get you? Well, come to our website, www.skyports.net. That's where you can find out more about what we do as a company, not just in Singapore, but globally. You can also reach me out on LinkedIn by searching my name. Awesome. Yun, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jason.